You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the wonderfully talented Gina Militia. Gina, how are you this week? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What have you been up to? Well, I've just come back from uh, India from a trip there. It's been amazing. Wow. Did you take mm. lots of photos? I did. <laughs> thousands. Um, Was there a theme? Like when you went there, did you think, I'm going to take photos of bicycles, which we know you love, or I'm going to take photos of doors, or I'm going to have some kind of theme of, you know, the underbelly of India or whatever? Was there a theme? Well, if you um, want to go anywhere in the world to take photos of bicycles, India is the place to go. The bikes there are just beautiful. And I kept looking at them going, how am I going to get one of these home? How am I going to get one of these home? And I nearly actually bought a crate. You wanted and, a bike uh, from India. They're beautiful. The bikes, the work bikes over there are beautiful. They're, the seats and the work in them is so intricate and they're just everywhere. And everywhere you go, there's just like a bike beautifully leaned up against a wall. And I did take a lot of photos of bikes while I was there. It was just like, they're amazing. I, I, I want to get my hands on one. I'm going to try and work out how to bring one back. For sure. Okay. Well, apart from bikes, which we know is your strange little fetish, um, <laughs> did, did you have a theme apart from that, if you know what I mean? Uh, no, it was just like capturing what, what I saw from the heart, which is what I usually do when I travel. So there, there wasn't a theme. I just love to shoot what I see and uh, capture the beautiful light and the people. I was uh, uh, taking a lot of portraits, uh, of just approaching people you know, cold and just asking them to pose for me and they did and uh, and then I did uh, some landscapes and but always um, having people in them just to give the photos more perspective. So I just like have a real lifestyle approach when I do my travel photography. So no real theme other than it was all India. Right. So your photos are mainly with people in them as opposed to landscapes is that what you're saying well when, I when do, you travel that is. yeah well when i do a landscape i rarely will do one that is just like a beautiful landscape because it's like i like to give give the landscape perspective and put a person in it like i did some ones of the taj mahal and um, I took a different angle to the way everyone else was uh, photographing it and I, I photographed it through uh, an archway and then I had to have people in the shot who were silhouette, silhouetted against the Taj um, to give it all perspective and, and just another way of looking at it. And were people happy for you to take their portraits? Well, I'd always um, uh, ask and then offer them something um, in return for, for sitting for my portrait. And I think that's a nice thing to do when you're travelling. Um, you know, you, you, you wouldn't do it with, with everyone that you meet. But, uh, you know, for certain people, I think it's, a, it's just a nice gesture. And if you can, um, get the photo to them somehow so that they can see that portrait, like whether it's uh, you, you try and send it to them down the track. And, and um, I just blogged about that, that I did that in Sicily. Uh, I, I did a blog called Finding Vito. And, uh, you know, that, that was um, one of the most beautiful moments of my life, having, having, being able to go back the following year. And so just start, this- tell us from the beginning, because for those people who haven't necessarily seen the post, read the post, which I think is, is awesome, just um, tell us what's in it. 
So uh, two years ago, I went to uh, a small village in Sicily called Chiaramonte, and um, we met Vito, who was an uh, an eighty year old gorgeous uh, man who 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 kindly posed for a portrait. And the following year, I actually uh, went back to the same village, and I had a print made of the portrait, and we um, managed to um, to find Vito again, and we went to his house, and we gave him this portrait, and um, he was in tears we were all in tears and he he said like you know thank you for remembering an old man and and um going to the trouble of coming back and giving me this portrait and it was just like so beautiful we sat in his lounge room with him and he told us stories of his of his life and we had tea and um we had shop him as well um it was just like it was just uh, such a lovely thing to be able to do really was was a highlight yeah it was so we've got some links we want to talk about in the world of photography this week, haven't we? So yes. what's the first one? I believe there's a – you've got one about a man who photobombs stock shots. I love this. So this guy has taken – so like some some stock shots are really lame. I know that you uh, – like we, we, everyone spends a lot of time looking at stock shots and some of them are just so cheesy the way they're set mm. up. But he takes them to another level. And what he does is he actually has managed to – Photoshop himself into into like standard stock shots, and he just makes them like a little bit creepy and really funny. And there's like the favourite one is like there's a woman who's like leaning back on a desk, and she's got her arms back behind her, you know, her head there, and she's leaning back like with this satisfied little smile. And you'd use those, use that shot on one of those motivational like, yeah, look, I got my work done, day, you know, kind of shots. Yeah, he's photoshopped himself into the shot, sniffing her up. Oh, great. So, so suddenly it just became, it becomes like this whole other shot. And it's really funny. And it actually, that, that whole series of shots reminded me of, um, I've got a friend of mine, James Penleides, who is a celebrity uh, photographer based here in Melbourne. And he specializes in um, also shooting comedians as well. And he's a really funny guy himself. And prior to Photoshop being, uh, like prior to like digital, he... Uh, photoshopped himself in all these classic Hollywood portraits and he used those as his, um, you know, as publicity for himself. He would send these photos out to like agencies and, and uh, publicists and all of that promoting his himself as a photographer and it was like I thought it was such a good idea and, and yeah, so that when, once I saw that, those, the photo bombs, I thought, you know, it's, it's a really cool idea, a great thing to do. What? A classic. You know, I just think it makes you wonder how much time this guy has on his hands that he can dedicate his time to photoshopping himself into stock photos. But anyway, uh, let's move on to another link that we've got here, and it's on how USA Today photographers shoot a Hollywood awards show. So this mm. particular link, which is pretty interesting, has a, um, a video in it that gives us a behind-the-scenes look into what their photographers do when they cover, they're, they're covering an awards ceremony like the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Now, I know you've covered lots of um, major award events. So yeah. what did you think of the video and how does that, you know, what elements of it do you think that we can learn from, um, you know, when shooting our own events? Well, it's like when I look at that, I just remember those long days photographing an award and my hat goes off to the photographers that are still doing that because it's like that. Like people just think they go, you know, an hour before the awards start, <laughs> do the show and then leave, yeah. you know. But actually sometimes they're there, well, they're generally there the day before doing pre-lighting tests, working out and, and it's like it's it's like you know, they're planning out where they're going to stand because it's all choreographed, everything from the arrival of when the car turns up to when the, you know, the, the stars have to stand here and then they move to this spot, that spot, and there's like all these choreographed spots that they have to go to and then, you know, the award and it's all pre-planned. Like everyone knows where everyone's sitting. So there's so much work. And sometimes those days are like 16, 17, 18 hours long. And not only that, that they're shooting, but then there's the pressure of getting those shots filed and uploaded to the different media um, agencies that they're working for. Mm -hmm. So it's full on and you've got to get the shot and there's no chance to like, you know, um, sorry, Angelina, I I didn't get that shot. Can you you come back? (laughs) Um, Can you? Because, like, you blinked. Can you? 
can you come back? It doesn't happen. So there's no do-overs. So it's so stressful. So And they're so good at what they do to be able to get those shots. So that, that's a, a really good uh, behind-the-scenes one. Great to see. Yeah, because not only do you need to be able to work under pressure, you're dealing with hundreds of celebrities and you need to know them all because sometimes yep. you actually people turn up and you don't actually know who they are. You just think that they're vaguely familiar. Yeah. Um, but you're not actually sure what show they're on, how much time you're meant to be spending yep. on them. You know, yep. because I, I've been in a situation where as a journalist I've been invited to, you know, red carpet events and movie premieres and those sorts of things. But for whatever reason, the publication that I am uh, working for at the time doesn't have the budget to send a photographer. So guess uh-huh. who has you. to go in the scrum? <laughs> and so I am not successful, I tell you. I, <laughs> I, I just don't know, you know, even though I love photography, it's a completely mm. different kettle of fish oh God, when it comes yes. to the red carpet and when you've got so many people and paparazzi and portrait photographers yep. around. And I just get squashed because, you know, I'm not very tall and I just get yep. pushed out of the way. So yep. I'm lucky if I get any kind of shot from those sorts of things. And it's a lot of yelling and screaming and everyone wants the shots. And then, yeah. you know, often, often you know, the major star of the moment that hasn't gone on air yet just wanders past casually and they're the next big massive thing. But the photographers who know their stuff and have done their research yeah. will be able to grab those people. So it's that, it's just a, a really interesting world, that one. But tough, pressure, high-pressure stuff, you've really got to know what you're doing. Very high-pressure. Now, mm. I understand you have another link which is uh, about – the how to create your own DIY editing table. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And this is like, you know, I love someone who can MacGyver anything. <laughs> so this table is awesome the way this guy has built and put together a table because like um, I'm looking at my desk now and it's actually covered in, you know, hard drives and cords and everything and you can never keep your desk clean. Yeah. And so this guy's uh, created this amazing workaround. So it's basically like two two tables on top of each other, Val, isn't it? Yeah. And he's got like slots to put his hard drives and somewhere for all the cables to do. And I've tried to MacGyver something very similar. Like I've got a table on top of another table here. But when I saw this one, I'm like, well, that's what I need to do next because his tabletop is completely clear of all cables. It's beautiful. It's so zen. I'm very jealous. It's It's amazing. You have so many hard drives because I've been in that room of yours and you have so many mm. hard drives that it actually looks just like a library of hard drives. It is a library of hard drives <laughs> because everything has to be backed up twice mm. and at any given time when a job is open, if before it's been delivered to the client, it's on four hard drives. And the thing is when you're dealing with editing, uh, mm. it's uh, – you know, I've been on the phone with you many times when I when I've said to you, "Oh, so what are you doing?" You say, "I'm rendering." <laughs> it's like, oh, but I'm waiting. I'm in a call, Valerie. Um, but you know, we do we can spend a lot of time in front of the computer in, in editing or photoshopping or Lightrooming or whatever it is. And um, I came across an interesting uh, website the other day called Fitness in Post, uh-huh. as in Fitness in Post Production. Yeah. Uh, and this guy who runs it is specifically more about, you know, um, post-production in movies, but the same principles apply because you're sitting there for a long yep. time doing yep. stuff, um, you know, whether you're a visual editor or a sound editor or, or a photo editor. And um, his his blog and his podcast is all about um, how to stay fit when you sit down all I the time. I love it. Yeah. So, so what's, what's his tips? Tell me. Well, in any job that he goes to, he makes sure he brings his own um, portable fridge <laughs> so that yeah. he can have – otherwise he's just going to eat the M&Ms or he's going to yeah, eat yeah, the yeah, caramel yeah. popcorn Great. or the salt and vinegar chips or whatever. So he yeah. also makes sure he brings his own snacks. Yeah. Um, and he's realistic in that sometimes when you are editing and the producer or the director or, or you're the client is looking 
looking over your shoulder, you actually can't just say, hey, I'm going to the gym for an hour no. at all because, you know, you're on the clock and they're sitting there right next to you looking over your shoulder. So he says um, it's really important to get in incidental exercise. So uh-huh. get in, you know, walk the extra mile or go- take the stairs up the 10 flights, yep. just those little things that are just going to add that little bit more movement in your day because yep. in, in reality you're not going to visit the CrossFit gym that, that day. No, and it's like I can take that further and it's like um, I will lunge to the kitchen. You will what? Lunge. So if I'm, <laughs> if I'm in my office and I'm going to make a cup of tea, I'm going to do lunges all the way up the corridor till I get to the kitchen. Are you serious? And I'm serious. I've got a mini trampoline in my office and so if I've been sitting for – and I'll set an alarm so I don't sit because like sitting is the new smoking. Did you know that? It's that bad for you. So, like, I will get up after an hour and jump on the mini trampoline for uh, five minutes. Wow. And, uh, and also, like, there's suggestions that you um, keep, like, a sandbag under your desk and just, you know, every now and then just do a few curls, bicep curls, one arm, one arm, and then put it down. And then over the course of the day, all that accidental exercise actually adds up to a couple of hours at the gym. If you do that, like they say, put a chin-up bar uh, over a door in your office and if you're just on the phone you put the earphones in and you maybe hang from the bar or do a few um, chin-ups what a great idea yeah 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 and even just the the art of hanging from the bar because that's the opposite of sitting so you stretch out your yes. back and, and and it's really good for you and try and do like one or two chin- or if you know if you ever been put on hold like you're waiting to speak to someone. What do you do? That's just dead time. So instead of like going onto Facebook or something, do a couple of chin-ups or they say like every every hour a couple of push-ups. Fair enough. Mm. Okay. Well, um, there, there you go. Some unexpected fitness tips from Gina on this uh, episode. <laughs> so um, before we move on to today's topic, which is all about studio space, whether you have a studio at home or you get your own professional studio or whatever, we just want to say thank you to everyone who has emailed or Facebooked or in- instant messaged or whatever yeah. um, feedback about the podcast and also questions that you would like yep. us to answer. And we are definitely going to answer those questions over the coming yep. weeks so please bear with us because we you know can only answer a few questions at a time um and mm. that will start from next episode so thank you from people all over the world isn't it Jenny? all over the world it's been amazing and thank you like you know messages tweets ever smoke signals even <laughs> I, I can't read them properly but i appreciate the uh, the gesture thank you it's been amazing so let's move on then to today's topic which is about studio space and whether it's important to have dedicated studio space because you know some people would say it's not necessarily or that it's too much of an overhead or whether mm. it's something that we should have so yep. take it away Gina where, where, where should we start on this one all right well I think it doesn't matter whether you're an enthusiast or, you know, you're, you're an emerging photographer or you're a full-on professional. You, we all need a dedicated space to work. And that can be like a, a, as, as, like as minimal as having like the local cafe that has great Wi-Fi that you go to to check your emails, maybe process your files or find inspiration. It could be like just having a corner dedicated in your bedroom. That's where your computer lives and that's where you might have your inspiration board and you just know that that's the same spot that you work out just so you can have like a regular routine or you can have uh, set up a home office. You could be part of a share studio or you could have a studio of your own. So, and, and within all of that, there's all these different options depending on what kind of photography you're going to do. Right, but um, the if you're talking about a workspace, a workspace which is like maybe workspace where you do editing or answer your emails and that's and get into a work mindset, it's very different to having a studio space where you shoot, right? Well, well it's both. So so you're going to have to have a dedicated workspace that you work out of, okay, but you're also going to need a, a space and work out where you're going to shoot from. Okay, and so that also depends on what sort of photography you're going to do. So if you're going to be mostly uh, a wedding photographer, chances are you're not going to be doing that many uh, studio shoots. Most of your stuff will be on location or if you're an event photographer. So, you know, do you really need a studio? But you still need a dedicated space that you're going to work out of. 
um, are you going to be a commercial advertising photographer? You're going to need, um, you know, the full-on kitted-out studio yeah. and you're going to have to think about whether you go, you know, the high-end style or whether you start out, you know, working out of your garage or something like that. So it, we really, you really need to think about, you know, the style of photography. The style of person that you are as well is going to affect, uh, you know, where you choose to work as well. You know, are you a people person that's going to, that needs a lot of people around you to get you going or are you someone that likes to work on their own as well? Yes. So there's all these things that we need to consider and I'll discuss them all as we go down um, the list here. So what are the main changes that you've seen in the way we work as photographers over the last, I don't know, say 10 years or so when it comes to studio space? Well, before digital, I think that um, there really was a trend for all photographers to have their own sort of studio set up with a purpose-built area where they had, they did the portraits and, you, you, you know, you remember seeing like all the roll papers, there'd be all the different shades and the chains there and you'd also have like a dark room in there where the, the work was, the, the files were processed yeah. and you know, the, the nature of photography was the client would come in and they'd have their shoot and the files would be processed and they'd be delivered the next day. The client would come back and pick them up. So it was like I remember treating, like I think my first uh, 10, 15 years in, in, in photography was really treated as a nine-to-five job. Like you got there, you did the work, you delivered the, the, the job at the end and, and five o'clock you knocked off and you went home because it was like there was nothing else to do. We didn't have, you know, there wasn't computers to work on or anything like that. Yeah. So um, nowadays also the style of photography has changed a lot and, and cameras have gotten that much better that like people are moving out of the studios and shooting a lot more on location. So we've gotten away from that. Yeah. And we're also um, obviously with digital, now we're all working and post-processing on computers. So for photographers, we've added like all this extra time where we have to be uh, processing our own files on the computer, retouching and all of that. So... Mm suddenly we all need a dedicated space to do that. Mm. So, you know, these are the, the things that we need to think about. The other massive change that's happened in the last few years is all those groovy little New York-style warehouses and factories that all the artists used to use yeah. to work out of, which were really cheap for a long time. Yeah. It was like a, a place that you could get really large studios for not a lot of money and like artists would all come together and, and, and have sort of a share situation. There's not as many as those. They're all being bought out and being uh, renovated and made into groovy inner city apartments now. So it's really hard to find that sort of space, yeah. you know, close to the city, you know, and I think that's throughout the world now. So um, it's getting harder to find great studios at, at, you know, at that entry level uh, for a good price. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, and it probably still happens now, but I know that uh, back in the day, practically 80% of the studios that I went to, the photographer also lived in it. It still happens, but maybe, yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure how the trend has changed. Um, but uh, it's true that uh, photographic studios, back in the day, I, I reckon that, you know, a great deal of photographers had their own studios or yes. shared their own studios yes. or had their Yes, everyone, their everyone, had, you know, yeah. most had. That's so true, mm. so true. But now it's, um, it's not as practical because you're not going to be using it as frequently as you used to be and mm -hmm. so you rent the studios or yep. um, I guess there are other options too. What are some of the other options? For people yeah, well, I can. Space. I mean, I can remember like up to maybe uh, 10, 10 years ago, eighty uh, percent of my work was in studio based. Yeah, and uh, and now it's um it's the other way around. So it's about twenty percent now is in my own studio, and the rest of the work I do on location. So I'm I'm having to go to them. So yeah. all the networks and that are no longer don't have the time and the budget to bring the talent to us. We have to do it on set and, and time constraints and all of that. 
we have to do it on a specific location. So that's all changed. But there's like lots of different options still available to uh, photographers who are, uh, are trying to find a dedicated space. Mm. Um, the first way that I got my very first studio was uh, as a young assistant. I was offered uh, use of the studio in return as, as a contra deal. So the photographer offered me a, sp- a space to work in if I did his uh, printing and processing. And this is after I went out on my own. I, f- I finished as an assistant and he said, like, you can still come back, use the space after hours um, if you do my printing and processing for me. And for me, that was a great deal and I've actually uh, had that deal with some of my assistants down the track as well. So that's, you know, maybe something to think about if you're, uh, you know, someone who is assisting now and, and, and wanting to be able to get uh, to, to use studio space, even if it's just to uh, develop your folio and things like that. Great. What else? Okay, so the other way, and this is uh, was my uh, next studio, was uh, to join a share studio. And that's uh, a studio that's already set up and established and you go in and you uh, become part of that studio and you'll pay a set monthly fee and plus a little bit extra for the incidentals like, you know, electricity and, you know, coffee and things like that. And that can be a great way to also start out... Um, uh, with your first studio space, like the advantage of doing something like that, and this was like like my first studio, was the mentoring I got out of it. So I moved in with a, uh, a photographer who was a food and architecture photographer, and it was only a really small studio, and I paid a hundred dollars a week, I wow. believe. And so it was a wasn't a, a lot of money, um, but for me it was like everything at the time, yeah. and I, I I I broke even I think every month just. But he gave me a lot of mentoring. Like he was the one that taught me about cold calling, and he he would like just constantly be making these suggestions. The other great thing about this share studio was it included the use of his gear. Oh, great! So so it came with lighting, and I had a desk. There was the social component because, you know, someone's starting out to have that discipline to turn up every day, especially when you're starting out, the ups and downs, it's like the swings, you can, you know, you, you feel like you're the only person in the world that's maybe like, it's not happening fast enough, it never happens fast enough when you're starting out. So just to have that mentor there that's going, you know, it's okay, that's what it was like for me and even for me to see that he had his quiet times as well. Yeah. So he would be busy and then he would be quiet. You go, okay, it's not just me. This is the nature of the industry. And then I also watched, um, you know, his business practices, how, how he lit things and how he dealt with the clients. So that was uh, a really great thing. So, so that social environment, you meet other photographers as well that are also sharing the space. Mm. And, um, you know, I've learned some of my most um, valuable, like, photographic lessons from other photographers so who've just, like, offered them how up. How many photographers were sharing that space then, do you think? So in that space, there was, um, I think, four of us in there. And so, and that worked really well. So, And were there others, you, apart from the main guy, were there others at a similar level to you or were they also? Fixed? No. So everyone's like at a different level, which is great. So there's the newbies. I was the new kid on the block who, you know, basically didn't even know how to put the lights together. But, but you know, then there was um, this guy, David Simmons, and he's a really well-known Australian architecture and food photographer. Amazing stuff. We might put I'll put a link in the show notes because his um his architecture stuff and is really worth looking at. But um you know to have him as a mentor is amazing. So you've got all these different um, levels of uh, photographers in there, and then it's like you make you make lifelong friends out of that situation. So it's uh, I think it's a really good thing. So you and you've obviously been in a situation where you've entered into that you know shared space with that yes. David. Um, yep. had you know uh, organized but yes. uh, as time went on you the tables turned didn't they because you then created the space and you invited other photographers in is that right yeah yeah, yeah. so I um I I I then became a leaseholder of my own studio and uh yeah so and 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 did the same and took other people in so that was something that I did that that uh yeah we'll uh, go into that a bit more down the track um and a bit more in detail but like the other great thing about the share studio is it's really flexible 
because you're not the one taking on the lease. Mm. So as a new photographer, you really, it's so crucial that you keep all your overheads to a really, a bare minimum. Mm. So when you're entering into a share um, studio arrangement, it's a month by month thing. So generally what they do is they ask you for first and last month's rent Mm. and maybe a month's bond, just like sharing a house basically. So at any given time you can say, it's not working out for me and I'm going to move and find something else or, or you know, or, or try a different way. So I think as someone, you know, wanting wanting to just sort of um, feel the water a little bit, uh, maybe a shared studio situation is the way to go. What are some of the drawbacks of having a shared studio? Okay, so it is just like sharing a house with people. So, you know, have you shared houses with many people? Yeah. It's like it, it, sometimes it can be great yeah. and sometimes sharing ha- sharing a space with people can be a real pain. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you can get people that you're just not going to get along with and that can be a drag to turn up to work every day and see that person that you just like don't really want to be around. So that's something you might need to consider. And also from the client point of view, because I have been to many studios, um, you know, with photographers who have been sharing that studio and sometimes they've been absolutely fantastic. The studio is awesome. Everything's professional. Everything's fantastic. But in Mm. some situations I've been there where there's clearly tension in the air. There's clearly (laughs) the person, the (laughs) main person in the studio has, you know, got some really clear opinions on who's boss and is trying Mm -hmm. to lord over not only the photographer but also the photographer's clients. So, you know, yeah, you're right. It is just like a share house um, and certain personalities can be annoying. I know. So it's something that maybe like so I think if you're considering going into a share studio that you you do maybe uh, have that trial period that you go, well, maybe I'll just come in and and try it out for the month and see how it goes and then, you know, feel it out and if you you think it's all right, you can stay because if it works – it can be amazing and, it, you know, but when it doesn't, it can really suck. So, you know, the other downside is um, sometimes they uh, overfill the studio so they'll have lots and lots and lots. It's particularly in the groovier areas, you know, there's some amazing studios but they might have like 20 emerging photographers in there and you're not always going to get the space when you want it. So it's like a first-come, first-served basis and so you'll, you'll get the shoot the dream shoot comes in, you'll go to book the studio space and, you know, someone else has already got it. So, you know, you're not getting the space you want. So that's a like a, a kind of a downside. Um, so apart from, um, uh, you know, sharing, let's say we don't want to share, mm. what are our other options? Setting up a studio in your home is a great option, I think, when you're starting out. Um, what do you and need if- to set up a studio in your home? Well, if you've got a home that's big enough, um, you can, uh, like, there's people that I've actually uh, mentored with that I've, you know, gone out to their homes and um, seen that they might have a dedicated space in one part of their house and then I've gone in and noticed that they've got this garage that's perfectly usable that a bit of conversion and suddenly that could be a great home studio. So what you need to think about with a home studio, I think, is to make sure that you do have something that's um, separate from the rest of the house and that you can seal off from everyone else so that you're not, you know, interfering with the rest of the family. Um, I actually did this. I moved back. I moved my studio back to a home studio while I was starting a family. So I had my um, my daughter and uh, was had her there for, t- for two years while I was uh, just getting um, – getting that going so that I could stay home with her and work. So, so did, what did um, you actually set up? What room was it? What did, did, so was we there actually space? created, um, we actually uh, converted a lounge room to become a studio and it was just big enough to probably do single and double shots. I think I did a couple of band covers in there <laughs> and um, we converted, it was like we had like a three bedroom um, house and we converted one of the rooms into an office uh, we brought our daughter in to sleep with us, and uh, so yeah, and it it, it worked we, for the time being. It, it was okay. Um, I think the downside of that is it's um, you know you could never do anything any bigger than that uh, a single person. So the big shoots we we couldn't do. Um, but for the time being, just to, to, to get through that phase, because that was a real hand-to-mouth time, I, I don't think I would have been able to afford at that time 
uh, to enter into like a bigger deal. So it, it worked really but, well. And we had the, the makeup area and it was like really well set up and it worked for the time. Sure, but um, obviously apart from the space constraints potentially, um, what else did you have to physically do to the room? Did you, you know, to, so, to make it look like a studio? So basically uh, we had polished boards on the floor, which was always great for shoots, and we painted the, 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 the entire house was painted white. So that, that, that room that we used as a studio, the walls were painted white, the ceiling were paint, was painted white, and I actually um, on, the, um, on the walls hung um, uh, roll paper hooks so that we had, we could put our white roll paper up, black roll paper up, and I think we had a couple of other colours. So it was just a matter of rolling those down and um, setting up the studio area. So okay. I actually, Val, want to cover the entire sort of studio setup and, you know, first um, kit on another show that we can go really into All the right, lighting we'll and everything, that. really deep dive into it. So I think for this one, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the, the sort of the space itself, but just know that I'll, I'll go into, I'll list, um, you know, a starting a great kit to start out with and, and everything that you need and all those little bits and pieces as well to get that home studio, you know, to a space that you can shoot in really well. Right. So a kit that could work in a home studio or a In a home studio, studio. And then you can actually take that kit and take it on location as well, which is, right, you we'll know, something that will work. All right. We'll bring that to you yeah, in a future episode. Definitely. So definitely. what about um, hiring studio space? Okay. So um, just going back to the home studio, Val. Yeah. Um, so like... You know I've that moved the advantages forward with that too quickly. <laughs> you, you, you did. <laughs> Gina has more to say about the home studio. <laughs> Do tell. So, I mean, what's great about working from home is you don't have to commute. Yeah. Right? So you're there. Like you can get out of bed, you're at work. So it's like half an hour or an hour or whatever it takes and you can actually have a space that's yours. So when you're shooting, it's whoever owns the studio, it's their vibe, it's their energy, right? So um, but when it's your own space, you can make a space that's your own, you can create something really lovely and they're coming into your space. So you can have your work on the wall, um, have that nice vibe and it's your stuff. So you're saving on that double rent and, and you know, paying for all the other amenities as well. So you're saving money. Um, and I think this is a, the, the perfect situation for like, you know, young families or even if you've got pets or, you know, and, and you just want to be around them from that time and a good starting point for starting out. Um, and you, you, you can work at any time. So if you, you want to be, you know, shooting late, it, you're not worrying about, um, you know, the security thing of having to go to a studio late at night and all of that. Um, the disadvantages of working from home is you're always at work, always. So you can't get away from it. Um, you've always got clients coming into your home and that can be stressful because you've always got to have your home clean because you've got the clients are there and then it's hard to be um, disciplined when you're working from home. So if you're someone who's not that disciplined, um, that can be difficult to be not distracted by, you know, TV and um, or doing, I'll just put a, a load of washing on. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then it can be an impact on personal relationships. You know, people can say, well, you're always at work. It's, it's, it's dinner time. Come and have dinner and all of that. Um, and the other biggie is friends and family often don't respect those boundaries. Mm. And they'll, they'll go, well, uh, are you at work? Yeah, I'm at work. But are you at home? Yeah, I'm at home, but I'm at work. And they go, oh, come around, yeah. you know, because it's like they think because you're at home, you're not at work. So that can be hard and then, you know, just hard to be uh, motivated and disciplined if you're working from home, if you're not used to that. Yeah, sure. So I've got a few hacks though, Val. Okay, like the lunches? When you're working at home. Mm-hmm. Like the lunches? Like lunches, yes. <laughs> to, just to make working at home more successful. Okay. And that would be, so make sure you've got a dedicated space yeah, to sure. work in that you can close the door and keep everyone away from, right? And get dressed to go to work. Mm. So so it's not, you know, work in your pajamas cuz I think that kind of makes you feel a bit slothful and and you're not going to work as hard as if and but if you actually dress 
to go to work and then when you finish work you can then like dress in your casual clothes as well. I think that's a good habit to get into. Um, Do the exercise hacks that I just (laughs) mentioned earlier. I think that's really important because it keeps your energy up and makes sure that you're just giving yourself lots of breaks through the day. So it's not like working is not just shooting and photographing clients. It's all the other work that photographers have to do, you know, all that post-production and that can mean hours and hours and hours. So, you know, make sure you do that. Like the guy said, you know, healthy snacks, you know, hide the Nutella but have the the nice snacks. And... um, Try and work in a room that doesn't have TV, Valerie Koo. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not looking at you at all, <laughs> right? And um, try and stick to a routine. So maybe get up early, Valerie Koo. Get up early <laughs> and start the day. Not pointing any fingers at this point, but get up early and get it over with. Okay. Um, you know, and then just make sure that you really drum it into your friends and family that, you know, this is where I work from, but don't drop on, drop, drop in unexpected or call me through the day. I'm at work. Mm. Okay, so now everyone in the world knows that I don't like waking up early and that I love TV. Shall, we know that shall already. we now move on to? <laughs> everyone knows that already, Val. If we want to get out of the house, if we want to get out of the home studio situation, yep. but not ready to commit to a full-on studio... Yeah. Presumably the next best option is to hire one. You know, yes. like on a on a job by job basis. Yeah. So again, perfect for the emerging photographer and enthusiast. So just because you're just starting out doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to have uh, the studio experience. And I actually recommend that all enthusiasts, like I know a lot of them will maybe their first experience of uh, working in a studio might be a workshop you know, where you get the opportunity to do that. But then a lot of people, like, you know, just love to have that experience of working in a studio, but, like, maybe they think, well, it's going to be a little bit expensive to do that. That's a bit to blow for a day. Well, why don't you get together with a group of friends? Like, you put a call out, you know, on social media and say, hey, I need, you know, two other people want to come in and maybe share a a higher studio for the day and split the cost three-way and suddenly it's working out at like, you know, not, not a great deal. And then you can all plan to have like three or four hours each in the studio and work on Folio together. And you can all actually be each other's assistants as well. So it's like it's a really good thing to do. But regardless and, of the expense, it is yep. it, for somebody who hasn't worked in a studio before, yep. a, I mean a professional studio space before, yep. it is intimidating. It is intimidating. But, you know, the great thing about these professional studios is they often come with a manager, a studio manager and an assistant who will come along and explain everything to you as well. So they explain the gear, how everything works. And so, you know, if you've had... um, if you've sort of pre-planned what you want to do, you can actually go in and um, they can help you out on the day to set up that shot and, and make it work for you. So I like I highly recommend it. So so you know even that aside, I think like hiring a studio space is a, like a really good way to keep the overheads down. So hire as you need it, mm. right? Um, you get the opportunity to hire exactly the type of studio that you need for each shoot. When you're starting out, you might you might not know what you want to photograph. Mm. So. You know, you might want to photograph cars or motorbikes. It might be food that you want to do. It might be, um, you know, large groups of people. And so here's an opportunity to hire a purpose-built studio. Like to photograph a car or motorbike, you need a cyclorama, which is like, you know, a studio that has that egg shape, you know, infinity um, studio, no corners mm-hmm. and everything, and you can photograph something like that. A food or is it a specific shoot? Special daylight studios as well you can hire where you don't even need lights. It's just the daylight is so beautiful in there that you can just use the daylight exclusively. Mm. And then there's other studios that just have amazing walls and and props in there that just are beautiful to shoot in. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to, um, to try all of that out and get something that, you know, specifically fits each client as you need it. 
And then you get that studio manager, the option to hire gear and everything that you need it is there. So there's been like I so, so sometimes if I work for uh, magazines, they opt not to not shoot in my studio and they're like they've got a deal with a they usually have a deal with a, a studio mm-hmm. and so we have to go and shoot there. So like there's some great studios that I've had the opportunity to work in and it's just like literally, oh my God. Like some of them have like um, shops in the middle of them. And literally every single piece of equipment that you've ever wanted to use is there. You can just like pick, I'll have one of these, I'll have this head, I'll have this light stand, this boom, this modifier, everything is there. It's it's incredible. So great, great, great thing to do. And for people who may be feeling intimidated and thinking, you know, should I actually hire a studio if you haven't done one before, I think Gina's suggestion of, you know, collaborating with a bunch of friends even just to try it out, you may not actually yep. need it for a client, but yeah. to try it out and see what you can potentially do with your shots because once you experience something at the next level, you're, mm. the, it's suddenly a world of opportunity that's opened up because you've realized that, that you now have, you know, a thousand more options instead of a hundred more options. So mm. it can actually do wonders for your photography just to do it as an experiment. Yeah, and just it, it, it is. It's just that confidence thing. Mm. I mean, often we overthink stuff, and it's that fear of the what if. Oh my god! And so you think about it, you think about it, you think about it. Oh my, intimidating studios are intimidating, and then you actually get you there, and you go, "It's no big deal. Exactly. It's no big deal. I'm here now. I'm used to it." And it's actually, "Oh my god, look what I can do!" And then you realise, "Here's my work's gone to the next level," totally. and then you absolutely. Hooked. And it's fantastic. Because, I mean, I, admit, I must admit, because I understand that, um, uh, that feeling of intimidation because I don't think I would rent a studio myself had I not been, you know, lucky enough because of my job. I go to lots and lots of photographic studios. And mm. as a result, I just muck around and I play and I look at my shots and compared to the shots that I do elsewhere and yeah. they're like chalk and cheese. So it's definitely worth an experiment and it's not as expensive as you think. It's not. It's actually really reasonable and particularly if you can get like three or four people mm. together, like I, I really urge you to have a try and don't, you know, don't limit yourself to, well, I'm not very good so I'll just try the, you know, the crappy one down the road go for the big boy yeah. studio get four of you together go in on mass and and go for it mm. because it's like you know why not why shouldn't you and if you? you're really intimidated go for the daylight studio if you're thinking you don't have the uh-huh. lights you don't know what to do with the lights you don't yeah, want to appear yeah. like you don't ha- have an understanding of how to put the lights together you don't want to ask the assistant just go for the daylight studio then and and yep. and start from there as a as a you know as a starting point so when do you know that you're ready, Gina, to mm. have your own studio? Like what kind of tipping point do you need to be at that you can think I'm going to invest in my own studio? Well, I don't know that you ever know that you're ready. There just has to be a point where you go, it's time to take that leap. Um, so for me, I remember um, it was uh, – I think my daughter was about one at the time and we decided that the the working out of home wasn't working anymore for us and there was like so much that um, I wanted to continue doing and uh, found a 6,000 square foot warehouse, Val. Wow. 6,000 square foot and it was New New York loft style. It was just and it was on the second floor. That was the only downside. Um, I've been there. you, yes. Oh, my God, so many stairs. I know. But panoramic news, panoramic. views of Melbourne, it was, like, incredible, but it was just a shell mm. and it had offices. I, I can't remember what was in there. But the um, real estate agent, Lucky, <laughs> Lucky was his name. Now, when you're dealing with a real estate agent called Lucky, you kind of – I should have been a tad more cautious, really. <laughs> oh, my God, he screwed us. Oh, really? So. Yes, so he like because dealing with commercial real estate is a whole other ball game. So dealing with a handshake, I'll come for a month share studio scenario that I had before that. Mm. That was easy. I was looked after. David Simmons, great guy, you know, beautiful mentor and all of that. Mm. Then I'm jumping into the Shark Tank yeah. with lucky, lucky guy, lucky. <laughs> he he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me. Um, how would you like three months rent free? 
yeah, okay, sure, <laughs> you know. And then he's like, we're negotiating. And we're thinking, oh, it's always so good at this negotiation kind of stuff. And um, he's like, well, how about we do um, 5% increase every month for the term of the lease? 5, 5% increase every, every year. Every year. 5%. Oh, my so God. So at the time, yeah, I know, screwed. <gasps> now I look at it and I go, oh, my God, that was the worst deal <laughs> in the world. CPI. But, well, generally you should be going at CPI, yeah. right, which is around, it depends where you live, but it's like 1%, 1.5%, something yeah. like that, 2%. But we thought 5%, that's great. What a deal. What a good guy. And he's like playing it like I'm a good guy. I'm giving you 5%. Oh so God. it started in the first three years being really low rent by, by the 10th year because we signed for 10 years. Oh, right? my God. So – I was actually incredibly nervous at the time and um, so my then partner at the time encouraged me to just sign the lease, Gina, sign the lease, sign the lease. And, you know, Val, I wasn't feeling well that day. I wasn't feeling well. But something's in me going, okay, I'll sign the lease, but I still wasn't feeling well. So I signed the lease uh, 10 years on um, (laughs) 6,000 square feet studio. By the way, we weren't making any money at the time in photography. God. Like no money. I had a one-year-old and I reckon our sum turnover at the time was maybe $10,000 a year, okay? Wow. That's breadline stuff, nothing. We were barely paying rent wow. at home. Sign the lease, feel sick, decide to go to the doctor, don't I? So I go to the doctor and um, the doctor says, congratulations, Gina, you're pregnant. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh and I'm God. like, Oh, my God, I've just signed a lease for 10 years. I'm going to have another baby. Oh, my God. And at 5% as well. And for international listeners who aren't familiar with what CPI is, it's basically the rate of inflation as calculated in Australia. But, oh, Gina. (laughs) Yeah. So, So we've got no clients. We've signed this, we've done this build it and they will come sort of approach to having a studio and we've uh, leased this shell and in the hope, and we've got three months up our sleeves, okay? So we fit it out. We actually spend a bit of money, like not much, like, and got friends to help us paint and we decked out this studio. We put in a dark room and set it up and guess what? What? We started getting work. <laughs> Started getting work, and do you know why? It's like I believe that it was there once you have the studio, and it's like it's not like I advertised that I suddenly had a studio, but it's suddenly something about the energy or something that I felt like a, a professional yeah. finally because I had a studio. Suddenly, the work started happening. Mm. And, and everything changed from that day, Val. It's like, you know, when you commit to something, mm. When you really commit, and that was, that was committing. Yeah. <laughs> like signing on the dotted line, we're going to make this work. And it did. And, and, and so shortly after that, we got our first uh, tenant. And then, you know, for the, uh, then, then bit by bit, we got another one and another one. And I reckon there was a five-year period where we paid zero rent and we had other photographers paying our rent for us. Right. And it was a really prosperous time. So, um, you know, that can work really well for photographers. Again, you can make the vibe and the studio your own and that really was and that was, a, a you know, a great place to work. You can showcase your own work. You've got the location and, you know, the, 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 all your clients get to know it as your studio and, it, like, it, it works really well. Yeah, I think what really worked about it as well and I think that a lot of photographers should bear this in mind when they're picking their own studio space is that, I mean, admittedly it was very large and you don't necessarily, a photographer doesn't necessarily need um, a studio that large, but uh, it had a lot of different areas and space. So if you were there as a, you know, advertising client or corporate client or whatever, you and there was a shoot going on with your colleague, you had a different spot in which you could be, yep. you know, just sort of collecting yourself and organizing yourself or just arranging clothes or whatever. Um, you did a lot of magazine shoots and I know for sure that, you know, I, I did a lot of um, shoots there with you as a journalist. Yeah. But what I was really grateful for is I knew that I could leave you to photographing, you know, um, that particular celebrity 
while I could take the other celebrity off into yeah. a little corner or in a in in a, in a private office actually and yes. interview them yeah. and then we could swap. So it was really really yeah. efficient. Um, yes. So those sorts of practical aspects of the studio in my opinion anyway were really useful and it's and it made it even more like you know as you say that professional vibe of being a real studio so it had everything it had like we had the open plan kitchen mm. there was a purpose-built makeup area there was a change room there was racks there were everything was there mm. that that you needed so um it worked really well and um i had another studio uh for the next 10 years that we um fitted out from scratch that again was was the same again only this time this one was on the second floor everyone hated us for that got very we got very fit during that time val didn't we oh Going my, up well down you got more stairs. fit than me i just got annoyed yeah. that i had to walk up all those stairs well <laughs> everyone was always annoyed like couriers would come to the door and you'd open the door and they look like they just wanted to kill yes. you i'm like what's wrong and they're like you're on the second floor <laughs> you know i was actually um decluttering uh my office space the other day and i came across some transparencies of yours. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So I came yeah. across these trans, and I'm like, oh my god, I have been hanging on to these for all these years. Yeah. I, I can't remember where I had filed them, but they, yeah. they were everything from, um, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, Holly Valance from Neighbours, yeah. and you know, now she's married to some billionaire in the in UK, there, and yeah. she's been in, you know, Prison Break and all yeah. sorts of shows in America, and. Also, I looked at the prints of um, Jesse Spencer, who's now oh, in Chicago Jessie. Fire, and he was in ha- House. Um, mm. So, you know, it was it's it, a lot of things were birthed. A lot of careers were birthed in that Oh, studio. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a great space. That, it was, like, awesome. Um, yeah. So, so that, that, that sort of thing is, a, like, a, a big risk and a huge investment. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, and a lot of pros to having that space. And I, I think I really enjoyed working like that. Um, on the downside, um, obviously like the monthly overheads, uh, can be like quite expensive and you've got to remember that you've got also like not only the rent, but, um, you know, the, the, the electricity and the insurance cleaning maintenance who's going to clean the studio if it's yours you're in charge you've got to get someone in to clean it or you do it yourself and then when something breaks also leaseholder your responsibility and so all the little things like making sure the fridge is stocked the coffee machine is working can't tell you how many times the coffee machine broke so you've got to go get it fixed find another alternative you know stocking the toilet toilet paper toilet paper always runs out (laughs) you know I was getting angry at people. I'm like, what? How many? What? How many sheets are you using? You know, because you become like, you become your mother when you're running a studio and you start having a go at people. No, three, three sheets maximum. That's it. So you know, so it's all of that sort of stuff. And then when you sign a commercial lease, you can't just decide halfway through that's that's it. I'm done. Because you've got to pay it out otherwise. So you, so once you're in, you're in for the long haul. So you need to think really carefully about, you know, signing up to something like that so if it, that's what you want to do. Why don't we wrap up with what do you think are, say, the five top things that you need to consider when looking for a professional studio space like that? Okay, so location. Somewhere it's got to be easy to find. You need to have it close to public transport and there needs to be lots of parking. And I think, you know, bonus, ground floor. And if you don't have a ground floor, have have a lift or easy access so that people can bump in and out really, really easily. So think about what you're bringing in and out of the studio, lugging your gear up narrow stairways can be a real pain. So really think about that. Um, do you want street frontage or not? Now, if you're a wedding and a portrait photographer, yes, of course you do because that passing trade, they're potential clients. So you do. If you're a commercial photographer, not so much. You, you don't want to deal with the general public. No. So you want to be off somewhere away from that. Um, third, after hours access security is the place uh, well lit at night and is it secure because you know particularly as a woman I don't want to be going somewhere after hours if I'm afraid to get out of my car if it's like you know down a laneway and somewhere that's like a bit a dodgy end of town 
So think about that. And maybe if you're looking at a studio, um, take someone with you and go back at night and check out the scene at night and what's it like and who's hanging around there because I think that's really important because your clients are going to have to walk into that scene as well, Mm. you know. Um, What kind of studio are you going to go for? Make sure you've got a daylight or a a blackout studio, Mm. like the facilities inside, you know, and I always go for both. I look for both. I want daylight and a blackout studio. And you also want to have like a variety of um, interesting walls, locations inside Mm. and also surrounding the studio as well that you can use as potential backdrops for your clients. Yeah, and the thing is sometimes it's hard to get all of those items on the checklist and um, in terms of getting a variety of interesting walls or windows as backdrops, I remember with your with that studio that you were speaking of, the really big one, mm. uh, with up two flights of stairs, there, you know, the first incarnation of it was, you know, pretty much as you said, you, you, you've it was kind of fairly straightforward, but at some mm. point I remember you got an industrial designer in and he mm. built a whole stack of really interesting walls yeah. which you then yeah. used, you know, and I know that in the shoots that we worked on together we used as backgrounds. So yeah. if the walls don't necessarily exist in the first instance, they can potentially be built. Yes, great suggestion, Val. That's true. You can so, but so you look for the other important things, and obviously, you know, the the security and uh, you know having having that access, and um, you know, ground floor and the location are probably the most important ones. Mm. So, what else do you have to add in terms of you know, studio space? Well, there's just a few other suggestions that, like, you know, maybe none of those are for you and it's like you're still happy with, you know, having that little corner of your home that you're going to use as the base to do your work from and you mostly want to be a, uh, a location photographer. Another thing you might want to consider is maybe consider hiring a hotel room for the day as a base for your portrait sessions yeah. because as opposed to like using um, a, a purpose-built studio, you can hire a hotel for a day and you can actually negotiate the rates. You say like, you know, I just want it for a few hours, like a half day or eight hour, not overnight. Um, you might be able to get a special rate and then um, you might have access to the rest of the hotel and then the surround. So if you're in the city, you can have your makeup artist set up in the room. Mm. Makeup can be done there, styling, and then you can use, uh, you know, zip in and out and in and around the hotel and get, you know, lots of great shots. And that is a great idea to use as a, as a like a base because mm. all you need sometimes is a base to shoot at. Um yeah, because we can't always afford, you know, a trailer. <laughs> no, no, you can't. So, like, the hotels work really, really well. And, you know, just, just think about where you're going to be positioned. Like, it's pointless being on a hotel, one of those, like, F1s on, uh, you know, a freeway in the middle of nowhere. Mm. It's not, not really going to work. So you want one that's, like, based close to having, you know, a great great laneways or, or whatever it is, it is you're using anyway. And then you can actually use the room itself because often the light is incredible. And I try and get one that might have a little balcony as well because that often works well. You've got the backdrop of the city or sometimes you can get water views, like so many different options. And they and I often – that's what I do when I travel. So like when I was in Hawaii last year, I used my hotel. That was the base. The room mm. was where I did a, like a heap of shots and it worked really well and that was my base. And then I used the, the grounds as the um, the rest of the location. Mm. Um Another good idea is like, you know, meeting potential clients if you're setting up shoots, uh, meet them in a cafe. You don't need to bring them to your home. So, and I did this when I was starting out and I didn't have a base. I would just pick a cafe and um, meet the clients there. And that was, um, you know, that worked really well as that first port of call. Um, Another suggestion there is a master Australian wedding photographer. His name's Yvonne and I think a lot of people may have heard of him. If you haven't, check out his site. I will put a link uh, in the show notes. Uh, he, he, he's an amazing photographer. And he started out like um, he struggled for a long time. When he, and he talks about, um, I, I saw a talk that he did, that when he was starting out, he wanted to give that impression that he was expensive. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to be perceived as, you know, a uh, high-end photographer. And then he couldn't do that. Um, by bring, he couldn't bring clients back to his home because he didn't have that 
you know, high-end place to meet them. And so what he would do was he would meet them in the foyer or bar of a five-star hotel. That's where he would set up his meeting. So, you know, people are walking into this space and they're meeting him here and already they're associating him with luxury because mm. he wanted to be seen as a luxury brand. So I think that's a great idea perhaps for wedding photographers and portrait photographers uh, you might like to consider that, uh, doing that as a, as a way of meeting clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. It depends, I suppose, on the impression that you want to give, yeah. If you want to give that sort of high-end luxury brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing to do uh, instead of uh, just uh, hiring a studio space outright is you can just actually hire an office within a studio, so just oh, hire the office. Right, yes, of course. So you get all the benefits of the studio, like the vibe, the social mm. atmosphere, you know, the mentoring and all of that, but you're not paying the premium of having a studio for a month. So it might be – it's like very little money. It can be like a couple of hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. and you get like office space. Or just hire office. If you're that kind of person that needs to have that social interaction – Hire an office within, like, you know, where they hire, there's like these open plan artist spaces where you can just hire office uh, space or even a chair in an open plan office. And so you get to go to work and be around people if that's the sort of thing that you do, hiring a desk as well. And one thing that um, a few photographers I know are doing these days is they're actually hiring or, you know, pay as you go at uh, co-working spaces. So when they Mm. go to co-working spaces, they get to work there for the day. They don't necessarily shoot there, but um, Mm. because they meet so many people in that co-working space and inevitably they're entrepreneurs and inevitably they're entrepreneurs who are looking for publicity, you know, who want to get exposure for their business um, and thus profile shots, it's actually been a really useful networking exercise for them to work out of a co-working space. Exactly, because you never know where your next client is going to come from. Mm. So that's a, that's a great idea. Great idea. Well, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast this week. Did you have anything else to add, Gina? Um, just on a final note, uh, think about insurance as well because you, you, oh, it, that's yes. something important and I think it's probably, again, we should dedicate like a bit more time to this but just uh, just remember to like if, you, if you're going to venture into that in the next little while, look into making sure that you've got insurance covered for the fit out, your gear, all your portables yeah. and public liability, a really important thing to think about. Absolutely and some clients will uh, stipulate that you need yep. X number of dollars like 10 million dollars or 20 million dollars 20 worth of public liability mm. don't let that number scare you because it's not it's, a lot. it's, it's, it's does it's not very much money at all to get insurance mm. for 20 million dollars of public liability but nevertheless you need to show that you actually have that insurance yeah and they won't or they won't let you shoot yeah. and that's that's most clients these days mm. i've found so that's you got to show that certificate before they let you on the set all right. Well, that was a jam-packed episode this week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, – hopefully that gives you a lot to think about. If you have a uh, question that you'd like us to answer in coming upcoming episodes, email us, news at com. That's Gina and then <laughs> G- G-I-N-A, M for Mary, I-L-I, cia.com but also you can sign up to Gina's newsletter and get her free ebook at her yep. website at ginamilitia.com and you'll find Gina on social media at Gina um, Militia, right? Yeah, Gina at Gina Militia on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. And if you're going to say, uh, like, I would love, because we're getting um, stuff from all over the world, but I want to see where you are. I'd actually want a visual of where you are. So if you want to tag us at Valerie Koo or at Gina Militia on Instagram, show us where you are because I'd love to see, like, other parts of the world because, like, if it's interesting, I might come yeah, and visit. Yeah, that would be awesome. If you're listening. <laughs> I would, yeah, just tag us in the photos if you're listening here i am to this podcast um take a photo of where you're listening to yes. this podcast and and yeah definitely um you know ping us on social media because we would love to see where you are and where you're listening where to you're this watching yeah, that would be awesome yes yes also if you have 30 seconds we would really love it if you could leave us a review on itunes because that would really help us in our rankings we hope to spread the message of photography to more people far and wide so we really appreciate uh those of you who've already left reviews yeah, and 
Thank um, you. And uh, if you want to just give us feedback directly, again, it's news at GinaMilitia.com. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.